Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. Well, welcome to the 30th edition of the Hubbub podcast. It is December 2021. We made it. We made it. Can't believe it. 30 episodes. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Was that two and a half years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard to believe, but uh, we're having fun. Yeah. Thank you all for continuing to listen in and watch us. Yes. And so this month's podcast is a timely one, we could say. It is. Centered around something that some people hate, some people love. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should tell them what it is first. Okay. And then I'll let you know. Okay. So I can talk about it a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So it's timely. It's December. It's cold. Um, some people would say it's appropriate for the season. Mm-hmm. Snow. Snow. Snow way. Um, I I do like the snow. I I don't love driving in it. Not I mean, some people probably do. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not bad. If I can, you know. Stay out a little bit and then come back in, get a little warm, nice and cozy. Set the mood a little bit, it's fine. But I just don't like driving in it. How about you? Yeah, yeah. You know, there are fun things to do in it. I guess it has its place just like everything else. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good topic for us to talk about today when it comes to code because like everything that drives what we talk about, the underlying thing, or if you want to put it that way, is, is safety. So naturally, when we think about snow, yeah, it's enjoyable, it's fun to look at, but like you said, driving, man, you got to be so careful. Yes. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And so even when it comes to our our neighborhoods and, you know, whether it be downtown Hagerstown or residential neighborhoods, you know, they do create hazardous conditions. So that's really what we're talking about today. Um, A number of things. We're going to talk a little bit about other localities, what they do when it comes to snow removal and then talk a little bit about Hagerstown and things that, you know, as citizens, uh, when it comes to removing our snow, what is it that we can do to continue to remain safe? So, yeah, a lot to talk about today. Um, You know, we think about, sometimes when we think about, again, the city that we live in here, Hagerstown, sometimes we can think, again, that sometimes the laws and regulations, they're they're unique to Hagerstown. We're we're the only city that has these regulations, but really, Quite honestly, there are other places that, many, many places throughout our uh, United States that have similar regulations. And the same is true when it comes to snow. For example, in Minnesota, you know, that's a place that's known for snow. So they're going to have snow regulations. And in Montgomery, Minnesota, uh, when it comes to their regulations, they're pretty tight uh, because of, you know, they just have to deal with the, the amount of snow. So they're very strict and snow has to be removed within 24 hours from public sidewalks. That's a pretty tight mm-hmm. time frame to get things done. Maine's very, very similar. You know, that's a place that's known for snow. Uh, Portland, you have 12 hours to remove the snow and ice conditions from public sidewalks once the storm has ended. And when the city finishes snow removal operations, um, once that's done, so whichever those, th- those things take place first or whichever is later, um, that's when it's time to get things done. Uh, Montana, that's another place you can expect these types of regulations. 24 hour after the snow storm ends, you have to remove it. And then there's places that you might not think about it, 
but these days it seems like areas are getting affected by natural storm events that were never affected before. And we see that happening in places such as Texas. So even Texas has snow removal regulations. In fact, in Dallas, you have three hours to clear snow and ice conditions. Now granted, they're not gonna get near the volume, most likely, generally speaking, that we are. So they may have a tighter time frame because the amounts might be smaller. But another place you might not think has snow regulations is Hawaii, and you would be right. There are no regulations for snow removal in highway and Hawaii and even other areas like Florida, Louisiana, South Carolina, and even some other southern states. So there are naturally states that, yeah, they're not going to have regulations because it's not an issue. And I guess that makes sense. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Um, when I was out in Montana, um, I lived out there a few years. Um, you know, you asked me if I liked it or not. It, was, it just become, it was so normal out there. So everybody just, they knew what they had to do. Um, you almost just live with it. I mean, there were sometimes the roads were just covered in snow, but you still had to go about your day. And um, while things were taken care of, you just kind of, you, you learn to go with it. You know, that's where I really learned to drive in the snow because with the amount of snowfall they get and how cold it stays, it never really leaves the road. So, but it is important um, to, you know, removing that snow from your sidewalks as a lot of these jurisdictions have walls in place for. So why exactly do these laws exist? Um, you know, we, you know, Sean touched on it. It's for, you know, the safety. You know, that's, you know, with our job, that's where it comes into play. Um, you know, they, they, these laws exist to help property owners from negligence in a slip and fall case on a public sidewalk. Um, if a person can prove that a property owner does something wrong or is negligent when they slipped and fell, um, such as snow and ice conditions on the sidewalk, a property owner could actually be liable for this. Um, a local jurisdiction sets a reasonable time uh, for our owner to remove these conditions. Uh, this way, there's a baseline for a reasonable time to eliminate a hazardous condition. And we are no way legal experts. We are far from it. But uh, you should always talk to an attorney for a clear answer um, on these regulations and you know what your liability is. Um, we will just advise you to be compliant with all of your local laws to reduce your liability as a property owner. And so some snow information uh, here in Maryland, um, e each local jurisdiction can create their own snow removal laws. So here in Maryland, the removal times vary between three hours in Baltimore and Annapolis and up to 48 hours in some neighborhoods in Bowie. Um, Rockville has a scaled timetable depending on how much snow falls with the time being longer for a snow event ranging from 24 to 72 hours. So that makes a lot more sense. They don't just have a standard three or 18 or 24 hours after a snowfall, it varies depending on uh, the amount of snow that they actually get. Absolutely, yeah, it's good to know that. And, and we share that, this information in various parts of the country and even in the state of Maryland because it's just, just again, good to know that uh, it's not unique to Hagerstown. Correct, we did not come up with this, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's why it's so important to be familiar um, with your local jurisdictions you know, laws and regulations, whether it be anything but snow as well. So what about Hagerstown specifically? Um, again, today it's flooring a little bit. It is. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, it's on people's minds. So what can, can we know ahead of time that will be helpful? Well, again, just given a little bit of history, the first snow removal laws in Hagerstown uh, that could be found were passed in 1956 for public sidewalks.
and then they were updated in 2019. So the, the snow uh, code was updated then, and the law has remained relatively the same since that time uh, up until uh, 2019. So originally the snow timeline was as short as four hours in our downtown and 10 hours elsewhere. That's a pretty quick turnaround. But uh, what happened was as we began looking at other jurisdictions in the state of Maryland, and when we compared those with our general area, we found we had one of the shortest timelines for compliance in the area and the entire state of Maryland. And in addition to that, based on our observations from years past, most people did not remove the snow from their sidewalks immediately because of a couple of reasons. The snow would start and then stop. You know, you know if I see the snow uh, stop, but I know it's going to start up again, why am I going to double work myself, right? So, you know, that was something to take into consideration. And it was felt that there would, should be a more reasonable timeline that needed to be established because it was difficult for citizens to uh, really, you know, determine what those timelines were. Um, we had different timelines for different areas of town, you know, for example, again, the city versus residential. So it, was, it just came to be confusing. So there were a number of things that we just had to look at and be realistic about. Right. So in 2019, uh, you know, we proposed to our elected body um, to establish a citywide um, timeline of 24 hours after a snowstorm ends to have adjoining property owners to clear their public sidewalks um, from snow and ice conditions. Um, this proposal was agreed upon um, and adopted by our elected body. Um, the city adopted a resolution or policy in 2004 to guide our department on the compliance and abatement of snow and ice conditions. In Hagerstown, if a property owner does not remove snow and ice conditions from a sidewalk 24 hours after the snowstorm stops, the city can issue a notice of abatement. And what this means is that um, after that timeline passes um, you know, from the notice, the city can remove the snow and ice conditions from the sidewalk. You know, and that might sound great, you know, you, you don't have to worry about it, the city will do it. That's not the case, um, and it's not a good mindset. Um, you know, this, you will get billed for this type of service. You know, in this resolution, you know, it guides us by not finding a property owner on the first abatement during a snow season, but we can find property owners on the second and subsequent abatements of snow and ice in the same snow season. So this means that in addition to a bill for the removal of the snow and ice, um, the property owner would receive a fine. So the, five, the fine is $200 each time we have to clear a sidewalk after that first snow removal. Um, the snow abatement bill varies depending on the contractor, but we do charge a $60 in administrative fees in addition to snow remo removal charges from the contractor. Um, it's always best to remove the snow and ice yourself or find someone that can remove the snow and ice conditions for you. Um, it's not cheap for the city to come out and do it. Um, you know, it's just like when you're, you know, summertime and mowing grass, if you're going to be out of town, if, um, say you go down south during the winter, um, you want to make sure you have some type of snow removal lined up um, in that case. So this resolution also states that the city cannot abate property owner public sidewalks until all city maintained sidewalks are free um, of snow and ice conditions. Now, you know, we can still issue notices and property owners are still responsible for removing these conditions, but the city cannot abate conditions on other people's um, property until all the city uh, sidewalks are cleared. The city does respond quickly to city sidewalks 
So general rule is to make sure that public sidewalks are clear of snow and ice conditions uh, within 24 hours after a snow storm subsides. So just pay attention to when the snow stops. From that point, you got 24 hours um, to get off your sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. That's good to know, uh, Donnie. And, you know, at, with, with these podcasts, we just try to be as clear and forthright as possible. Right. Uh, people don't like surprises. And, and understanding, again, the whole goal of this is to gain compliance and to keep things safe. Yeah, and you can see just here in Maryland how each you know, jurisdiction, they have different um, guidelines on that. So it is, uh, you want to know, yeah. you know, put that education out there for everybody. Absolutely, because just like you mentioned, homeowners could, could be liable, depending on the circumstances. Correct. The city can be as well. Right. So it's in the best interest of everyone to, to do that. So we've discussed some timelines and how they relate to when the storm ends. And uh, so now the question is, who determines when a storm ends? We all may have an idea when we think the storm ends. So it depends on the jurisdiction, of course. But in Hagerstown, uh, the city pays attention to the local weather reports and watches the radar. And so once no precipitation is seen or detected, then we uh, start the clock on the compliance time. So that's the thing that we're looking at. Now, some of you, and maybe uh, a few of you, tuned into the podcast with the question, well, what is the snow load here in Hagerstown? And when we say snow load, meaning that uh, when a structure is built, it has to be able to withstand uh, snow to a certain accumulation on the roof to be able to support that because snow is is very very heavy so here in Hagerstown we have a snow load of 30 pounds per square foot for residential structures and 40 pounds per square foot for commercial structures and this is one of the most frequently asked questions we get in our permit office but uh, also frost protection lines so depending on the air of the country the frost line or the freeze line is going to be so far deep into the soil and so here it's 30 inches below finished grade. But that's one of those areas that you want again want to check with your local jurisdiction because depending on the climate and location and so forth, that, uh, that can vary. So it's good to be familiar with that. And in fact, if you go back to episode one of our podcast, we had there we talked about uh, appropriately the history of planning and code and jurisdictions. They adopt certain building codes in each area uh, with specific requirements. And so again, here, we have adopted the international codes, which uses a map to identify the proper snow load calculations for a particular area. And we use these calculations along with our history of snowfall in the area and including local input from local contractors to determine the minimum design standards. So it's a lot that goes in just to, again, not only make our roads and walking surfaces safe, but even our structures. Yeah, that's a lot of great information there. Um, so the next thing we want to touch on is um, local requirements and policies for the government to clear public streets. So we're not going to go into um, those details here, but if you were wondering, there are 110 miles of streets in Hagerstown, which continues to grow each year um, based on uh, all the new development happening. Um, a, a snowplow must go up and down each street several times to clear the snow and ice conditions. And they drive more than that, 110 miles during a snowstorm. Uh, Buffalo, New York, they actually started a pilot program in 2015 where the local government clears the public sidewalks from snow and ice uh, for a small select area in Buffalo. 
um, and some some of that area, the property owners uh, aren't responsible for their snow their own snow removal. Uh, they awarded a contract to a local contractor and was paid uh, for by the city of Buffalo. Uh, property owners were not billed for snow removal in a sense. Uh, tax dollars are used for this removal of the snow from the sidewalks. And they've slowly uh, been expanding the area that they are clearing. In 2019, they were considering expanding the program to include every inch of the city's 2,000 miles of sidewalk. Uh, this plan was tabled and is currently in the discovery phase. So um, there are you know, jurisdictions out there that actually uh, do take care of those public sidewalks for you. That's why it's important to um, check with your local jurisdiction. You, know, you may live somewhere where it's already being taken care of, but you definitely don't want to assume that. Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, Buffalo, I think, is an interesting scenario because they're the one that usually gets an exceptional amount right. of snow. So it probably wouldn't even be feasible for a lot Correct. of people. Yeah. yeah, pretty pretty amazing what, what they'll do. So we've discussed uh, removing snow and shoveling snow from sidewalks and, you know, not to leave out when it comes to safety, not just the safety and liability of slips and falls, but we also want to focus on the safety aspect of being safe yourself if you're the one shoveling the snow. Uh, unfortunately, how often we hear of news reports where people um, are injured shoveling their own snow or they may even pass away because of just, uh, you know, extending no themselves. Yeah, 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 you know, health conditions. So, you know, uh, the fact is, is that when you're shoveling snow, it's a very strenuous activity. It puts a lot of uh, stress and pressure on the heart and the body. So it's good to know that you're in reasonably healthy shape to do that. You know, especially if you're not one who exercises regularly, you go out and try to do a lot of shoveling, man, that can put a lot of stress on the body. So really, it's just good practice. Um, even people will tell you, experts tell you, before you go to the gym, <laughs> get checked out by your doctor, right? So it's a good idea to be cleared from your doctor. You know, you're in good state of health. And even then, being safe and being reasonable in your expectations, you want to, like me, when you start and go out and shovel in the snow, you really don't want to stop till you're done because you just want to get it done. So you really need to pace yourself. You may even want to consider, um, even though it may be an expense, hiring somebody to do it for you. Find a relative that can do you for, you know, find alternatives if you're not reasonably able to do that. But we wanted to share some nice tips that can help reduce the risk of injury to yourself as well or somebody who's doing it for you. So here they go. Use a shovel that's comfortable for your height and strength and space your hands on the tool grip to increase your leverage. Another one, before you begin, stretch and warm up your muscles with light exercise for 10 minutes. When you're done shoveling, stretch again. This helps your muscles. A third one, pace yourself. Take frequent breaks and prevent dehydration by drinking plenty of water. If you experience chest pain, shortness of breath, or other signs of a heart attack, stop the activity and seek emergency care. Here's another important one. Lift properly. Try to push the snow instead of lifting it. If you must lift, do it properly. Squat with your legs apart, knees bent, and back straight. Lift with your legs. Do not bend at the waist. Scoop small amounts of snow into the shovel and walk to where you want to dump it. Don't overload your shovel. This is particularly important in the case of heavy, wet snow. 
Another one, don't throw shovel loads of snow over your shoulder or to the side. This requires dress appropriately. Light-layered, water-repellent clothing provides both ventilation and insulation. It's also important to wear the appropriate head covering and thick, warm socks. Choose gloves or mittens that will keep your hands warm, dry, and blister-free. And avoid falls by wearing shoes or boots that have slip-resistant soles. And this is a good one, too. Um, Try to clear snow early and often, particularly if a large snowfall is expected. It will give you the best chance possible to avoid the injuries that come with moving packed heavy snow. And be sure that you can fully see the area that you're clearing. Adjust your hat or scarf so it doesn't block your vision. Watch for ice ice patches and uneven surface. So I remember when I was looking through this, there were things that I could apply, you know. Absolutely. The one I struggle with the most is the early and often. I, I, I try to play it out. Do I go out early? and you know get ahead of it a little bit and then you know have to do it a little bit more often and at the end of the day it's the best way to go because if i wait till the end of the snowfall oh my gosh depending on how big it is it could be if you're out there so much longer than you would have been um just because it gets so heavy and at the same time it is not healthy for you at all and you might be laid up for a while might be yeah (laughs) can't go outside and play in the snow so um, so some people, they're fortunate enough to actually have a snowblower, or unfortunate enough, if they have a large uh, driveway that they don't want to do. But if you do have a snowblower, uh, we do have some snowblower tips as well. Uh, so you never want to attempt to unclog the snowblower with your hands, um, even if you're wearing gloves. Uh, this may sound uh, common sense, and it is. So um, you want to make sure you're using a, a shoot clean-out tool or the, a long wooden handle of a broom, for example. Um, you want to use eye protection during operation and do not wear loose clothing, such as an unwrapped scarf, uh, while using the snowblower. Uh, you want to keep your hands and feet away from all the rotating parts. Um, you want to, the surfaces can be slippery, so use caution when changing directions or operating on slopes. You just want to make sure you're in control of uh, the snowblower at all times. Uh, let the snowblower engine cool before refueling. Take a rest of at least uh, five minutes when the tank runs dry and then add more stabilized gas to the tank. And do not start a gas-powered snowblower inside um, of a garage to avoid carbon monoxide exposure. And you want to keep both hands uh, on the snowblower while operating the machine and do not let the engine run unattended. And if you're someone thinking, you know, I don't want to shovel sidewalks anymore, but I still have to clear sidewalk, you know, you could consider a heated sidewalk. Um, I've never seen one of these myself, um, but at the same time, it's not something you really see. So how does this actually work? Well, it's, uh, um, or what is a heated sidewalk first? Uh, These are the snow melting mats and or cables that are installed under pavers, asphalt, or concrete during any typical sidewalk installation. And how do these work? Well, these systems can be turned on manually or through automated control centers that can detect moisture when temperatures are below freezing. So they sound very cool. Um, Have you ever had had any experience with those? Yeah, uh, in, in my construction background and, and some other projects, uh, I saw it uh, in the system. I saw there was tubing ran under the sidewalks before the concrete and, and uh, water circulated through them. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so, yeah, virtually no snow or ice stayed wow. on there. Yeah. I'm going to have to look at that in the future. Yeah, you know, it's additional cost. Absolutely. But it's the time to do it. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so that mainly wraps up the main portion of our uh, podcast today. Um, 
if you like what you heard or you know, want to learn a little bit more of what we talked about in previous episodes, um, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, we're on all major podcast podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, you can follow us on so- social media by searching uh, PCAD City of Hagerstown or the Hubbub Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And now we're going to Sean's favorite part of the episode, the weird news story. So the title of this one is Blizzard 2015, Yeti seen prowling the streets near Boston. So in 2015, uh, parts of Massachusetts, they had a blizzard. Um, So one resident thought it would be clever and funny uh, to roam the streets in a Yeti costume. So I don't know much about the lore of the the Yeti, um, but the Yeti, it's also known as the Abominable Snowman. Um, it's said to normally reside in the Himalayas, but for this snowstorm, uh, they made their trip to Boston. It was pretty funny. The, I'll, I'll link, we'll link to the uh, article in the podcast description. Uh, but there's a whole Twitter account for this uh, Boston Yeti. Uh, and he uh, or they uh, documented their experience, you know, getting turned away from different cabs and that kind of <laughs> stuff. So. It's pretty funny. Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah, excellent. All right. Well, the next episode will be regarding nuisance abatement codes. What can be abated? So, as uh, many know, there is a section of our code that basically a category of various nuisance abatements, and there and there are several. So we're going to talk about those. Um, of course, we discussed uh, snow abatements in this podcast, but what other types of conditions can also be abated in addition to snow? So that'll be the episode to look forward to next month. Well, in a minute, we'll have our musical guest. But uh, before we do that, uh, of course, our podcast will go on next month. Mm-hmm. But it will go on without me. Yes, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, Sean will not be here next month on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So it's bittersweet. Uh, I'll be leaving the city pursuing... Uh, entrepreneurial things and so looking forward to that and making that transition absolutely you know and you know we had a great time uh, recording this podcast with you um you know i can't believe we went 30 episodes and you know made a little bit of history here you know we had the city of Sounds first ever podcast yeah. that's something i'm proud of every day and it was a pleasure doing that with you mr sean brown oh right back at you i think it's expanded my uh you know social skills and you know i've learned a lot as well and it's it's been really nice working with you awesome likewise yeah well good luck to you thank you thank you very much yep all right so on to our musical guests david garastos right out of frederick maryland uh, this guy again just one that impressed me uh, uh when you know listening to his music and and what makes this guy exceptional i think is aside from him being very very talented what he adds in his collaboration with a lot of other artists. Uh, He just doesn't stick to himself. His, again, collaboration with so many other musical artists in the area uh, is pretty, pretty impressive. So, yeah, David Garostos, um, in his uh, bio, started playing the accordion at five. His parents apparently gave him an accordion. He started playing at five, started playing in public at 12, and just a really talented guy. Um, really focuses on the keyboard, does a lot of freelance work, but a variety of music including blues, rock, country, jazz, R&B, 
and even reggae. And he's played at a number of events, including Imagine, Imagine Hagerstown in the past. And in this month, he's going. Uh, this month, he's going to be performing in Antietam Brewery um, on December 11th. So uh, you can find him on all all social media platforms, YouTube, um, even Reverb Nation. So yeah, David Garosto. So let's take a look, uh, listen to uh, some of his music. Bring them back, bring them back, can't bring them back. 